the mortification of sin and growing in righteousness. That's what we want to be about here in Midland Free. And I wasn't here when the elders got together and, and worked out the mission statement that we've been working through. And I'll be honest with you, when I was reading through the mission statement and we came to that phrase, led by the Spirit, my thoughts ran to Acts chapter 1, verse 5, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then continue on, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I was like, that's where we're going, that's what I'm preaching, that's what I was working on until it came time to actually write the sermon. God helped me to see that there's something else. As I was actively preparing a sermon, I had my notes were pretty much done. I was ready to, to boil it down into what I was going to say. And I realized that while the Spirit is a blessed gift given to us so that we can be his witnesses here, near, and far, he also plays a role in our sanctification. The battle of putting to death the old self and putting on the new man, which is being renewed into the image of Christ. And perhaps I'm putting my spin on the idea of what they meant when they said led by the spirit. But the reality is I'm the one standing up here so I can say whatever I want to. <laughs> so this is my interpretation that we want to enjoy and glorify God. We want to embrace his world, uh, word, engage his world, led by the spirit, mortifying the flesh, producing the fruit of the spirit, so that everyone welcomes, plugs in, and reaches out. That's where we're going. But let's pray first, because I don't know where we're ending. Lord God, you are good. You are a generous, loving father who have not left or abandoned your children to stumble through this world by ourselves. You didn't send Christ to die for our sins so that we can muddle along hoping that we somehow will find salvation and be sanctified and one day be glorified. Instead, you promised us a glorious gift. You, God the Spirit, dwelling in us. That promise that, that, that we read or, or, or was read to us earlier that, that you would give us a new spirit, you would give us your spirit. And for that, Lord, we should be grateful. that this morning as we go to your word you would open our eyes to it and pray this in Jesus name amen I don't know why when I read that phrase led by the spirit I went to Acts first I mean I do know why but I don't know why I didn't think of Galatians 5 which actually uses that phrase led by the spirit and so as I was working through my, my prep and sermon, like I said, I was getting ready to preach Acts 1, and I, I, I alluded to this, this passage, and I couldn't get away from it, kept coming back to it. So if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to flip open to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at 
verses 16 to 25. We read these words, Galatians 5, starting verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step in the Spirit. That's our text for this morning. Before we go anywhere, we need to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be led by the Spirit? When you're studying the Bible and a question arises, you're, you're, you're reading through the Bible, you get to a, a scripture, what does he mean, what, 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 what's that look like? The best thing to do first is to look at the context. Because often the verses around that verse that's maybe stirring some confusion will bring clarity to what's being addressed What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, in Galatians 5, verse 16, Paul writes, walk by the Spirit. Paul and others use the word walk to describe one's entire life. How do you interact with the world? What does your behavior show? What are you marked by? Walk by the Spirit. Perhaps, depending on the Bible that you have, maybe there's a little footnote there that would send you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. We read these words. It says, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh. Excuse me. While there is still jealousy and strife among you, you are not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way. That word behaving, the Greek word there, is the same exact Greek word used for walking by the Spirit. So you can see here, walking isn't just, right? Like it's, it's your behavior, how you interact with the world. How do you respond? How do you live? In Ephesians 4.1, we are told, walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling that was given to you. Paul is saying, walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Walk in a way that shows you actually believe the things you say you believe. Friends, if you're being led by the Spirit, it should impact your life. If you're being led by the Spirit, it should impact your life in how you take in information but then also how you respond 
to the circumstances and the challenges and the things that will hit you day in and day out? Are you walking with the spirit? Are you walking with this promised gift that was given to you? Walking by or being led by the spirit means your life will produce fruit. I know that this will occur because you're not the one who does it. The spirit in you does it. We'll get to that in a little bit here. But I do want to point out, if you look at the words of Jesus in John, flip over to John 15. Jesus says this to to his disciples, starting verse four, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse five, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, God the spirit in a way kind of functions as as the sap that that, that conveys the life-giving nutrients and resources needed so that the branches can produce the fruit. By how? By imputing the grace of God and the righteousness of Christ upon us. Can I say that again? Sure. Maybe. (laughs) If God, excuse me, if Christ Jesus is divine and we are the branches, God the Spirit is the life-giving sap by which the, the nutrients of the grace and the righteousness of Christ are imparted or imputed upon us so that we bear fruit. If you need that again, find it online when Josh puts it there. I don't know if we can say it again. <laughs> Flip back over to Galatians chapter 5. Look at, look at, look at what's being said here in, in verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The word led here is passive. It means to be, to be brought or carried It's passive because the spirit's the one doing it. I tried to find a good analogy for this and and two came to mind and I don't know if they're great, but, but this is the best way I could see this. Like we are like kites, right? We are a bunch of paper and some sticks and we just lay on the ground. We have no power by ourselves, but when the wind of the spirit blows under us, it raises us up so that we can soar. Or perhaps we need to view it this way, that the Holy Spirit is the engine, the locomotion, right? It it pulls the trains. The cars don't do anything except couple themselves to the power and the source that drags them along the track and along the way. So if you want to be led by the Spirit, you don't work yourself up the hill. What do you do? You couple yourself. You hold to, you cling to the Spirit, and He, by His power, carries you down the road. Church, do you seek to couple yourself to the Spirit of God? To be led by the Spirit means you walk in all aspects of life. 
It's funny, there's, there's a pastor from a previous generation who I really appreciate. His name's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He actually was a medical doctor. He was next in line to be the doctor for the king and queen of England. But God stirred him and he left that job, right, to be the, 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 the royal doctor to do ministry in some little tiny church initially. And then God moves him back to London. Martin Lloyd-Jones, this man who is extremely intelligent and, and, and so wise, listen to how he describes the impact of the Holy Spirit. It's a lengthy quote, so we'll put it up there so you can read along with me. This is how Lloyd-Jones says this. Those who receive the Holy Spirit are aware of a power dealing with them and working in them, a disturbance Something, someone interfering in our lives. We're going along and suddenly we are arrested and pulled up and we find ourselves different. That is the beginning. That is what happens when the Holy Ghost begins to work in human beings. There is a disturbance, an interruption to the normal, ordinary tenor of life. There's something different. An awareness of being dealt with. With, I cannot put it better, that is the essence of the Holy Spirit dealing with us. A disturbance. I, I want to do something and I'm, I, a disturbance happens. I feel like something is working on me. It's God. What is he working to do? We are given this gift of the Spirit for a purpose. To be led by the Spirit means to kill sin. To be led by the Spirit means to kill sin. You see that right here in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. But I say, says Paul, walk by the Spirit and you will gratify. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does Paul mean when he says the word flesh here? Is he talking about skin and bones? He's talking about muscles. Is, is that what he's talking about? No. More often than not, when Paul talks about flesh, he isn't talking about the physical being because the physical being, your body, isn't inherently sinful. God has made us man, right? He has made us human. You are not sinful because you are human. You are sinful because you're human. You be, what? No. Not because you're physically human, but because you're human. You have limitations. You have sin in your life. The physical body was created by God, and he said it was good. When Paul is addressing flesh, he's addressing the sinful desires and passion, our ego, our selfishness, our pride, which often leads us to legalism, or licentious behavior. And the Apostle Paul, we know, isn't talking about his physical body per se, because later on in this very passage, he says that he has crucified the flesh. If he has crucified the flesh, he is nailing it to a cross. But Paul isn't physically being nailed to a cross here, he's using it as an analogy to the sinful desires. He gives us this incomplete list of, of some of what this is. 
And it's funny because as you read through commentators, they all say, this is an incomplete list, but I was trying to think of a sin that doesn't fall into this. And I couldn't find one because while you might give it a different title, it probably falls under one of these. He says, the works of the flesh, the, the sin of the flesh is evident, sexual immorality, Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgy. And things like these, i.e. anything else that's sinful. Do those things manifest in your life, Christian? I once received a letter from an older woman at a previous church. I still have the letter. I have a file of letters that people send me. Some are fun ones and some are fun ones. But this woman sent me this letter after I preached a sermon. And she said to me, I am offended. Why are you saying these things? And what was her concern? My 11-year-old granddaughter doesn't need to hear that. God is loving and he is full of grace and mercy. Why can't you just talk about these things? Why not just preach nice, loving things? And it is words like this from verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they oppose each other to keep you from doing the things that you want. That led me to make the statement that I said in that sermon and I'm about to say right now. So if you have offense to this, send me a letter. I will keep it in the same file that I have this other one. <laughs> the Christian life is warfare. You are to fight. It isn't always sunshine and rainbows, right? Like as soon as you become a follower of Christ, all sin doesn't immediately leave you and you never have to deal with it ever again. It's messy. It's broken. It's a war. I love the 17th century theologian John Owens and how he put it in one of his books, The Mortification of Sin. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. I love it so much that I wore this shirt. John Owens as a samurai chopping sin. This is why I buy these things so I can wear them for Sunday. Why? If you hate sin, do something about it. You've been given the spirit to bring you conviction and, and to guide you and to lead you for a purpose. Why? So that the flesh that is waging war against you, you are equipped to fight it. Kill it. Put your hands around its neck and choke it out. I don't know if this is why we have the phrase, we will be led by the spirit. But this is why I think it should be there. Maybe you're thinking, didn't Jesus conquer sin and death? Doesn't the resurrection show that he's victorious? Yes. That's why we can fight. Because the victory is already done. He has already won. But in the death throes, our enemies can still wound us and, and harm us. 
Christian, you are completely and fully in Christ through his atoning work. You are no longer your own. You are under his authority, not the authority of the devil. You are under his dominion, brought into his dominion, the dominion of light. But that doesn't mean that the garbage of that world that you once walked in under the reign of that evil prince of this world doesn't still affect you. You have to die to self daily. First Peter 2.24, he himself, Christ, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live righteously. By his wounds, you have been healed. But we're still fighting. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at these words here, verse, starting verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4. 22 says this to put off your old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness did Jesus death and, 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 and resurrection give us victory yes but he is still working out the the, the prize, the reward, the, the accomplishment of that in your life. And so day by day, you want to take off the old self and put on the new one. Take off the old self and put on the new one. The problem is, is that we like the old self so much and often we don't want to get rid of it. You need a loving wife like mine who when you go into your drawer that has all your favorite shirts, you find that some of them are missing. Because she doesn't want you to wear them anymore. That's the role of the spirit. I'm not trying to say my wife's like the spirit, but maybe sometimes the spirit speaks through her. But the spirit is trying to say, this is wrong. Stop wearing something that is ripped and torn and and marred and crap when you can be wearing the robes of righteousness. Put off the old self and put on the new one. Do this. Why? Because it honors God. Christian I'm not saying that once you come to know the Lord, you will be free of sin and struggle. John Owens knew full well that the power to kill sin doesn't come from these hands, but rather from the work of the spirit in you. The Christian is not one who is without sin. The Christian is one who is proactively waging war by the empowerment of the spirit of God within them. If there's no eternal spiritual conflict within your life, you should be fearful. Tranquility in sin is trouble. We are called to wage war. I think that's some of the reason why Midland Freeze says that we will be led by the spirit because we want to put the death sin in our life wherever its ugly head rises up. But being led by the spirit doesn't just stop with killing sin, right? God doesn't just want us to be neutral. Leading by the spirit brings new life and new growth. The leading of the spirit produces the fruit of righteousness. This is what we see here, right? Even in this passage in Galatians 5, we see that the fruits of the spirit 
Our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you have a Bible, flip over to Romans, though. Hear these words from Paul in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 says this. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sin and flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Did you catch that? I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I grew up in a church and often I was told that the righteous requirement of law was fulfilled in Christ. But Paul says that the righteous requirement of law will be fulfilled in us. But that he doesn't stop there, right? There's a comma, keep going. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. How is the righteous requirement of the law fulfilled in us? It's not by us trying really hard. It's by us surrendering ourselves to follow the lead of the spirit within us. Isn't that amazing? I'm sorry, let me try that again because I think you guys are asleep. Notice that the spirit there at the end is capitalized. That's God the spirit. The God the spirit is working in you to help you to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Are you ready? Isn't that amazing? Oh, there we go. The righteous requirement cannot be fulfilled by you. But if you walk according to the spirit, it can. And these fruits would be multiplying within you. Paul writes that we're not under the law. When he says that, he doesn't mean that you don't follow the law. He says you're not condemned by the law. That's what he means when he says you're not under the law. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. We don't ignore the law. We actually fulfill the law. What's the law? I'll use Jesus' definition. I think he's pretty good at that. To love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. So what's the law? Love. If you don't think so, Paul also reiterates this a little few verses earlier. But but I'm jumping all over the place. We want to fulfill the law. And the Holy Spirit produces a fruit that mirrors, that reflects back the very character of the righteous God. The law and the flesh could not produce righteousness, but the Spirit of God can. For years, people were trying to follow through the law so that they could be holy and pure, but they couldn't do it. That's why they had to go again and again and again to offer sacrifice. But When the spirit of God enters into us, he changes us and the desires of our hearts are transformed. And the next thing you know, you start manifesting the fruit that looks like the character of God. This isn't done by willpower. Have you ever tried to be more patient? Have you ever tried like today I will have more self-control? Have you ever worked so hard to be so gentle? And you're like fists are tightening, like I'm going to be gentle. 
It's almost as if we need God to change our hearts. And so we praise the Lord because the promise that one day he would remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh, that one day he would put his own spirit within us has come. We draw near to the throne of grace and we are filled with the spirit and you will find that you will produce these fruits. And I've had people sit in my office and say, Pastor, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I don't really have a great answer because I don't understand how God does it. I do know that when I'm praying, I do know that when I'm drawing near to him, I do know when I'm bringing in biblical truth into me, I, 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 I find myself falling in line with the spirit coupling myself right like holding on to him and uh, next thing I know I'm just producing fruit it's almost as if I'm a branch connected to a vine and that there's this supernatural sap that gives me the nutrients to produce fruit If you want to continue to battle sin and you yearn to produce the fruit of righteousness, verse 25 tells us that we are to keep in step with the spirit. Keep in step here means to follow after so as to conform. If our mission statement, and honestly, who cares about our mission statement, if more importantly, the scripture calls us to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, to keep in step in the spirit. I hope you are asking already, how do I do that? How can I be led by the spirit? Let me stay here first, very clear. If you've not put your faith if you've not put your hope in Christ Jesus alone, you cannot do this because you do not have his spirit in you. That is not to say that things can't change. That is the whole reason Christ came so that by his death, he would take your sins upon himself and so that you wouldn't get what you deserve. But instead, if you would put your faith and hope in him and him alone, you would receive grace and righteousness. You would receive the promised gift of the indwelling Holy Spirit who would work in you to sanctify you, to, to help you to fight and, and take off the, the old self and the old flesh and, and find joy in the things of, of God and, and put on unrighteousness. For those of you who have already surrendered your life to Christ Jesus, for those of you who have experienced the regeneration of the, the Holy Spirit, if you want to continue to grow in being led by the Spirit, start here, admission. Admit that you are fallen and limited. Jesus says in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're trying 
to do these things that God has called you to do by yourself, Jesus is saying, you will fail. But the spirit of Jesus alone regenerates and empowers us and makes us have the ability. But you need to admit the reality that you can't do it. Allow that truth to cut you to the heart. I don't want you to walk out here patting yourself on the back thinking Jesus is privileged to have me on his team. Because if that's the case, you are stifling the work of the spirit. I want this truth to cut you, right? Like cut you at the heart. It's when we are free from pride and ego and selfishness that the manifestations of the fruit of the spirit grow more and more in our life. So admit the reality. Second, pray. Pray for God to work in you. Pray for a superior affection that crowds out fleshly desires. Pray things like you could find in Hebrews 13, verse 21, that God, Lord, equipped me, help me to have everything good that I might do your will, that I would do what is good and pleasing in your sight. Pray, give me more of you. Pray. If you want to be led by the Spirit, hold to the promises of God. Don't forget Christ's finished work. Don't forget that the devil and sin no longer have dominion over you. Remember the promises that you find in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has already given you every spiritual blessing. And don't also forget where he promises that you have the seal and the guarantee, the Holy Spirit. Hold on to these things. Hold them close. Don't forget that he who began a good work in you, Philippians 1, will bring it to completion. Hold on to these things. So admit, pray, hold on to the promises and respond. While the spirit of God is the power, right? He's he's the thing we lead. He provides the power that we can do these things. But I also remind us that he has called you to do things as well. I think Philippians 2 gives us a great example of how these two things work together. Because in Philippians 2, we are called to work out our salvation in fear and trembling, comma, for it is God who works in you, both the will and the work for his good pleasure. You do this. Well, what makes me want to do that? God changing you. And then I, I, I'm growing and, and I want to do this. I want to work out my salvation. But how do I have the power to do that? God. So who's, who's really starting this? God. Who's giving you the power to do it? God. Who does it? You and God. God and you. Christian. Respond. Simply put, flee from temptation. Work to kill sin before it kills you. And finally, if you want to be led by the Spirit, praise God. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for what he's doing. Praise God for what he's going to do. Praise God. 
when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're growing in these fruits and they manifest and man, I'm sorry, this is a little side note and I'm already out of time here, but I hate when people say never pray for patience. Why not? And when it shows up in your life, why not say, I don't know where that came from. It must have been from God. Praise God for you giving me this gift of patience. Praise him. Praise him with joy. I don't know why I have joy amidst sorrow. I've just got to give glory to God here. Because it's going to drive you back to him again and again and again. Praise God. For all that he's doing, praise God when the works and the fruit of righteousness flourish in your life. Praise and gratitude will draw you back to God and it will stir you to follow. I want more of that. And so I found it when I was following after the leading of the spirit. I'm going to seek after that. I pray that we would be a church led by the spirit. So that we would mortify sin and produce the fruit of righteousness. Is that your prayer? I hope it is. Let's pray. Lord God, forgive us when we do not seek to be led by the Spirit, but we seek to follow after other things. Forgive us when we quench the Spirit in our lives because we ignore its leading or we don't take the time to to sit and dwell in your presence. Lord, I pray you would also forgive us of the times when we have more confidence in ourselves than we should. When we forget that we need more of you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to recall the promises of what you have done in our doing. I pray that you would help us to have the strength to respond, that we would work to put to death sin, that we would work to see temptation and and would flee from it. And I pray that we would give praise and honor to you because you are changing us and you have made us your own. Lord God, help us to be led by you. Help us to be led by the Spirit pray in Jesus' name. Amen.